You're listening to Campus Review Radio. I'm Patrick Avenal, and I'm the news editor for Campus Review. Simon Moss is an associate professor and psychologist at Charles Darwin University. He has been reviewing the bias against people with mental illnesses, autism spectrum disorders and ADHD when looking for jobs or changing careers. Some of his findings are counterintuitive, with many businesses missing out on great candidates because of the attendant stigma of these illnesses and disorders. I spoke to Moss about his research and I started by asking for an overview of his findings. Essentially there were there's four elements. So the first element is that we tried to review the literature on the notion that actually a lot of people with uh, various mental illnesses actually have some key strengths that are actually very helpful in the workplace. So usually, generally speaking, most recruiters will assume that someone with mental illness could be quite difficult to manage and may not be particularly productive or effective in the workplace. And despite it's true that, that, that some people with mental illness might generate some challenges, they sort of often, with particular mental illnesses anyway, there are particular strengths that are incredibly helpful for the workplace. So, for example, um, people with um, autism spectrum disorder sometimes show incredible attention to details, and that can be quite helpful for identifying problems and other sort of, um, issues and so forth. Um, and that can be very helpful in IT computer coding in general, and sort of related fields. So that was the first element of, this, of their review. And the second element was to think, well, given that there's all these sort of wonderful strengths of people with mental illness, then, you know, why aren't they ever recruited? Uh, you know, what, what are the main cause of the stigma? What are some of the biases or beliefs that um, contribute to this tendency? And so we sort of identified or reviewed a whole series of, of biases in the way we think that can explain why recruiters and managers aren't as prepared as they probably should to recruit people with mental illness. Um, and so, you know, just as one example, there's a bias that's called the negativity effect, which is that people are much more focused on what people aren't good at than what they are good at. So, you, so generally, someone who is sort of mediocre on many different elements of their job are preferred to someone who's excellent in some elements and deficient in other elements, um, even though that's not necessarily beneficial for the organisation. And so, therefore, someone with mental illness who's to be maybe very skillful in some areas, but with some, some mental difficulties in other areas are often not chosen. Um, and then the third element was to, to think about, well, how do we, how do we overcome these, these biases? You know, what can we do about it? And the research tends to show that actually sort of managers will, are not as biased in this way. If they see their, their work and their organisation is very meaningful and important about helping society rather than just focusing on more immediate profit, and so the final part of the review was to identify, well, how do you create an organisation that seems a lot more meaningful and therefore overcome some of these biases? So that was broadly the focus of this paper. You mentioned autism spectrum disorder, and I also read in, uh, in the paper that you sent through that uh, people with bipolar disorder or ADHD can be highly creative. I was wondering, thinking about um, two of the, the most well-known uh, mental illnesses, which are gen, uh, general anxiety disorder and depression or depressive illnesses, what sort of benefits can people that uh, have those uh, illnesses bring to a workplace? Yeah, well, let me discuss each of those. So, generalized anxiety often means that people are very good at identifying problems in an organisation. So, they're quite good in potentially risk management um, and they're almost sort of creative in identifying what some of the, the complications that could unfold with particular and that can be very helpful 
I mean, it can be a hinder if it's not managed properly, but it can be very helpful to many organisations. Um, there's also a lot of evidence that at least sort of mild forms, milder forms of depression can improve decision-making as well. So people with milder depression, um, they're very good at detecting whether someone's being deceptive, as according to some studies, um, and their social judgments are a bit better. They get a better sense of why people are doing things. They can identify the motivations of people and so forth. So there are different benefits of both anxiety and at least some level of depression as well in the workplace. Have you done any research into whether having uh, gainful employment improves a person's mental health? Absolutely. So, I mean, the evidence is very clear that uh, at least for most mental illnesses, gainful employment does improve mental health. And indeed, it's actually rejection from employment often hits people with mental illness a lot harder than people who uh, don't necessarily present with a mental illness. That's partly because uh, when someone with a mental illness is, is rejected, they, they sort of feel there's nothing they can do about it. They sort of feel that they're being rejected for who they are rather than some issue that they can easily control. And so uh, often uh, um, the rejections from job uh, applications and from recruiters can actually exacerbate the mental illnesses, whereas receiving a job can actually be very helpful, improve that sense of self-efficacy, and, it's even, and, and even in, some, in many instances can diminish the magnitude of the mental illness or at least diminish some of the symptoms of those mental illnesses. Can employers or recruiters benefit from loyalty, from sort of taking a chance on someone? And, and then that person uh, delivering the goods and then feeling a sense of, you know, loyalty to that, to that employer? Absolutely, and there is evidence of that, that, that issue. But, I mean, we, we're often dealing with people who have been rejected many times and feel that some of their unique skills and qualities are just not being understood. So as soon as someone takes a risk with them, they sort of feel that this is someone who understands them, they really become much more committed, much more loyal. And in all fairness, they recognise that uh, it is a risk for them to leave that organisation. Um, and that commitment can, can ultimately enhance their engagement, their innovation, the extent to which they want to help the organisation and so forth. And I think you're right. I think it's a, it's a good strategy from an economic perspective as well. Because you're often dealing with people who are probably slightly undervalued in the market. That is, they've, got, they've certainly developed the skills, but they're not receiving the jobs that they think that they probably deserve and probably do deserve. And so even from a financial perspective, um, there are certainly benefits with actually seeking people with with some mental disorders. And, uh, and there are organisations that are now beginning to do that, at least in, in particular spheres. Um, so there's a few, there's quite a few uh, different um, organisations involved in implementing technology that are employing sort of sets of people, groups of people with uh, autism spectrum disorder. Because I often feel that it's a, employing people as a group can help those individuals support one another. Uh, and it's easier to support a group of people with some sort of related and overlapping issues they just one individual at a time. What advice would you have for a person uh, with a mental illness that is applying for a job and that is worried that they should keep it a secret or lie about, you know, perhaps why they haven't had a job in six months or something along those lines? Do you think they should be open about it or do you think they should try and cover it up? Well, look, this is a very difficult question that uh, we're actually uh, examining right at the moment to sort of understand... Firstly, the effects of that stigma, when it's most likely, you know, for example, one of the issues with not disclosing is that the recruiters will often sense an issue, a sense that something's not quite right. And there may be some evidence that they're more likely to reject someone when they can't label it than when they can. So it may be beneficial that uh, someone does concede that issue in a very confident way. 
But there's need to learn sort of how to disclose mental illnesses, whether it's from autism spectrum disorder or clinical depression, in a way that seems quite confident. And, they, and um, so they sort of they probably need some training and coaching on how to do that. But uh, yeah, there are risks in not disclosing, partly in the sense that people might suspect anyway, uh, partly in the sense that they won't necessarily receive the support they need. If they find that the only way they can get a job is by uh, concealing their mental illness, then really they might be finding themselves in organisations that don't actually suit their needs. So that's one of the complications with, in some ways, not disclosing some of their concerns. Well, On the other hand, of course, I mean, you know, you have to learn how to disclose it in such a way that sort of shows that you, you manage it and how, and, and how it can be beneficial to you, not only because you've got a specific mental illness, but also that, you know, how much you've gained and learned from that particular process as well. And your empathy with other people with similar difficulties. Outside of the employment market, have you identified any other uh, areas of society where people with mental illness are being undervalued or underappreciated? Simon, is there anything else you wanted to add about this topic? Um, look, probably the only other interesting issue is about how you create an organisation where managers are more likely to accept people with mental disorders. And, you know, this is a very difficult issue. So what we're sort of trying to show is that, look, in most organisations that are very competitive and they're focused on the short term um, and they're feeling quite vulnerable, then in those situations, recruiters and managers will tend to reject people with mental disorders and they won't therefore make the most of it. Whereas in organisations with a sort of a much grander, unique and, and uh, stable vision of the future that gives people the time to develop their skills and has a much broader perspective, in those sorts of organisations, managers are much more likely to take the risk. So I think in, in some ways there's a take-home message for managers in general, which is how to create an organisation in which ultimately recruiters are more prepared to, to take on some of the difficulties that people with mental illness might create. Is there a correlation between sort of fresh new startup, you know, imaginative looking companies and their willingness to be more accepting of people with mental illness compared to perhaps older legacy style businesses? Look, I'm not aware of any and it, it probably depends on the, on the situation because one of the concerns is that new startups, although they might have this sense of excitement and they might be trying to do something new, they're also recognised they're incredibly vulnerable. And uh, when organisations focus on their vulnerabilities, they're much more, or much less willing, I should say, to embrace the risks that mental illness might present. So, you know, I haven't actually seen the data on that, but I'm not so sure that startups are necessarily quite in the position to have 